Yeah, we know it'll never happen, but hey, it's worth a shot. Hollywood, hire us. Hey kids, did you miss us? <laughs> so what I'm going to do is I'm going to uh, insert some audio from an event I went to. And uh, then you guys can listen to it and we'll comment about it after. It's about eight minutes because our special guest who's not really here, but I'm going to say he's our guest because I'm using his voice on this podcast, whether he likes it or not. Uh, Kevin Smith is uh, not known for short answers. Everybody's progress for that legend, Kevin Smith. What's your name, Captain? You doing it, man. I want to give a little footnote for the Morgan story. Man, a couple steps behind me, gave him a copy of Dogma. Oh, well done. Well done, man. So, yeah, if you can now be convinced for the library. I've never even crossed my mind that somebody would have a copy of Dogma. So, he has more than one at home, so hey, spread the wealth. I want to thank were you. Gonna, were you hoping to get that Dogma signed? Do you not have anything you can sign now? <laughs> Then you're definitely getting that signed. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a copy of Drawing Flies and Nothing Else to Sign. I want to thank you for the Red State sessions because Michael Parks puts my 19 month old son to sleep. Oh. Like within two tracks. It's, it's amazing. When he's singing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. What a voice he has. I won't let him watch that yet. He's too young. <laughs> and I have the sort of power tattooed on me, so I have to talk about Masters of the Universe. Yeah. I loved it. Thank you. And growing up with it, I thought it was great. I don't know what the internet's shitting on it about. For those, for those unaware, <laughs> I did a Masters of the Universe uh, program on Netflix, and they dropped the first five a few months ago. The next five episodes are dropping on November 23rd. And uh, when it came out, it got the best fucking reviews of anything I've worked on since like the first movie I ever made. But it was a very vocal section of the audience that was completely displeased with uh, the show. Um, and it was a it was a cross-section of people. It wasn't like one person. A lot of people like to be like, oh, the incels went after you. It wasn't like just incels. It was incels. Some people were Nazis. Um, <laughs> and then there were some people that were like, I, look, I have nothing to do with those people. I just think you suck. You know, which is fair. <laughs> so uh, they, they kind of chatted at me at once, man. It was crazy. Like the... I, it, I hadn't felt that much religious fervor since Dogma. Like when in the middle of Dogma, we got 400,000 pieces of hate mail and three death threats. You know, that's the closest experience I've had to Dogma was when Masters of the Universe came out. We didn't get like fucking death threats. Although, you know, on Twitter, people were like, you should fucking drop dead. But there were a lot of fucking hate messages and shit. Um, so much so that I thought, like that was it. I was like, oh my God, we failed. Because, you know, my feed feeds me what I click on. And I was clicking on every negative thing. And so my feed, the algorithm was like, give them all the shit. <laughs> so I was like in a shit storm and like feeling like, oh my God. And we were just about to start making Clerks 3. And then Malcolm, ironically enough, texted me and he was like, Oh my God, congratulations. And I thought he was talking about Clerks 3. I was like, thanks, but I'm dealing with some shit right now. And he's going, what could you possibly be dealing with? He's going, you must feel great. You have the most talked about show in the world right now. And the reviews are killer. This is crazy, great. And I couldn't fucking believe it. I called Malcolm and I was like, wait, is your perspective that this is a win? 
And he's like, yeah, it's not for you. And I was like, Malcolm, from where I sit, like people are fucking calling for my head and shit like that. I got some people mad at me because there's not enough black characters in it. And then I got other people mad at me because there's too many black characters in it. And then I got one group that's mad at me because I took the fucking iron cross off the guy's chest. And you know, that's that was the whole reason they liked him, they said. And I was just like, <laughs> And Malcolm's like, no, he's gone, well, he's gone, your algorithm's feeding you shit. He's gone, uh, just from what I've been reading from the last four days, he's gone, this is great. Like, people, the critics like it, like, the audience is eating up, and they're talking about you. There's articles about it all over the internet. That's why I love Malcolm. He's able to give me a healthy dose of perspective. The first night I met him was at the Toronto Film Festival in 1994 when we were there with Clerks. And I'd been on the festival tour for months. We'd been on the festival circuit since January of 94 when we went to Sundance. So by the time September, October rolled around, that's when Toronto was. We were kind of at the end of our festival life. And um, Paul Zimmerman, who wrote for a magazine called Film Threat, which is where Malcolm worked as well, he had met me and Scott Mosier in Houston at the World Fest. Months later, there he was at the Toronto Film Festival, and he was there with his uh, Torontonian friend, Malcolm Ingram, who also worked at Film Threat. So after the movie was done, I was like, I think it was late. I was like, I want pancakes. Where can we get pancakes? And they took us to get crepes. So it was me, Scott, John Pearson was there, I believe, uh, Paul Zimmerman, and Malcolm. And I'm sitting right across from Malcolm. And you know, it's, it's a restaurant, but it's not crazy loud and shit. So we can all hear each other's conversations. And we're all interacting with one another. Paul Zimmerman says to Malcolm, he said, what did you think of the movie, Mal? And Malcolm goes, it was all right. And I looked right at him, I was like, I like you so much. He was a Canadian with a very American, honest perspective, you know? Like, he was, he was kind, but kind of an asshole as well, like most Americans and shit. So he's always been the guy that, like, helped keep me in check. A lot of people are like, how do you stay so grounded? Helps to have Malcolm as a friend, and the other friends I have as well and stuff. But um, yeah, man, uh, back to your question, because I really sauntered off. Well, now the main question is, I've certainly asked on podcasts when you look at a friend of mine called Hey Hollywood, Hire Us, shameless plug. Um, what is it called, Hey Hollywood, Hey Hollywood, us? Hire Us, because we're two guys that have no business working in Hollywood, yet we do nothing to criticize the way Hollywood does things. Oh my God, uh, keep doing that, you'll get a career, it happened to me. I've been doing a whole episode, I made this uh, partner of mine watch those five episodes, and I just, Sucked your dick over the voice casting. Uh, that is an amazing voice cast. How in the fuck did you manage to get Henry Rollins? <laughs> um, Henry Rollins wanted to be Skeletor. Oh my god. And so we had already cast Mark, and so they were like, uh, we were talking to the cast, uh, to Colette, who is our voice director. And uh, she was like, Rollins uh, auditioned for, for Skeletor. And I was like, oh, but we already cast Mark, man. Would he do something else? She's like, he's a huge fan of the, of the show, so I think so. So then we put him in the role of Triclops, and especially because I knew what we were doing with Triclops, we were making him like a high priest, and I was like, oh my God, Rollins will fuck, spoken word Rollins will oh, fucking yeah. kill this and shit. And he did, and I remember when we were recording him, you know, he gave a really wonderful performance, and I was like, Henry, that's great, just jack it up by 50%. And he was like, really? And I was like, yeah, just go big, man. We're going for big on this. He's like, all right. And he fucking went for it and shit. And then when I was like, Henry, let's just do one more where as uncomfortable as you can, just fucking go over the top. And he's like, oh, there's no such thing as uncomfortable. <laughs> and that's the performance he gave, man. He's just like, you know, where he's like, you, you subject yourself to carnal chaos. Like, he's just so fucking huge. So we were lucky to get him. Most of the cats did it. 
not for the money, because uh, I know whenever I say this, Netflix is like, shut the fuck up. But they didn't pay like big money for the cast. Everyone got pretty much what you get, like scale for that business or something like that. It wasn't like they were like, all right, man, fucking pull up the money truck and shit. Um, most, mostly everybody, the same response. When I was like, what, why'd you jump on this? They were like, I loved it when I was a kid. So you got a lot of people because of the nostalgia factor. The same reason people would eventually tune in. Lena Hetty, I was like, why are you doing this? And she was just like, I used to watch this. <laughs> I mean, yeah, the voice like, get the fuck out of here. She said, she was like, why do you think Cersei was so bad? <laughs> that'd be a, that's a perfect live action casting choice for Evil Lynn, too. Like, just looking at the voice cast, I'm like, my God, this is wasted on animation. Yeah, I know, yeah. I remember times where we were like shooting it that I was like, I was shooting it, meaning recording. I was like, oh my God, could you imagine if we had this cast like for a live action version? But it would be ungodly expensive, that show. All I can say is you gotta get Dolph Lundgren to show up for one of the next ones. Yeah, if we, if we ever get a season two, that would be one of the people we would definitely go after. Um, we, uh, yeah, I'll leave it there. <laughs> we, try, we tried to get two very, uh, very famous Masters of the Universe folks into season one and it didn't pan out, but I think it might work out for season two. If we get a season two. I don't know anything. <laughs> but, but yes, the next five drop November 23rd, and, and this isn't me just hyping it, I swear to you. The second five are better than the first five. First five is just us creating a bunch of problems, and the second five is us solving all those problems. And the solutions are far more fucking uh, fascinating than, than the problems that we create. Um, episode six, one of my favorite things I've ever been involved with in my entire life. Me and Eric Carrasco wrote it, and it's so, it's, it's you know, after all this time of like, what happened after episode five? Um, I know what happens, and it was uh, it's pretty damn compelling stuff. And then episode 10, Eric wrote all by himself, and, and it's huge. It's like got a damn around. Every fucking character comes out of the woodwork for this gigantic fucking war. It's pretty, pretty impressive. Powerhouse animation, like, absolutely outdid themselves. So a lot of people have seen that trailer, and they're like, oh, man, you didn't fucking, you spoiled everything this time because you don't want to get yelled at by the fucking people online. And that's the way it appears. Like, we gave everything away. And I swear to you, you don't even know what the second five episodes are really about. Like, the real storyline is buried in there somewhere, and it's, it's fucking fascinating. It's the story we've quietly been building. It's like everyone's looking over here, and then this is what you're going to deal with for the next five. And it's, it's, uh, it's some, some of my favorite things I've ever been involved with, tangentially or directly. Some of it I wrote. Some of it, I was just there to be like, this is my storyline, and guide it and stuff, but it was a real team effort that turned it into something special. And that's why, like, when it came out, you know, a bunch of people attacked it, I was like, oh my God, there were some people that were going after it, and, and I was like, like, they were saying, you don't know fucking Masters of the Universe, and I'm like, oh my God, like, all I know at this point is Masters of the Universe. We went deep into the fucking Mattel library, like, pulling deep fucking cuts and shit like that. So, I think it'll all, pay off, even for people who are like, I hated the first five. If they give it a chance, I think they'll love the second five. Um, but I, it's, it's, it's coming, it's pretty good. Thank you. Thank you, my friend. Come on over here. All right. All right, and we are 
Oh, sorry. We're back. We're back? Okay. Yeah. Uh, no safety net. I don't have a backup recording device to cover for Audacity's attitude. Audacity? Yeah, it's Audacity. Ah, <laughs> uh, so what you just listened to was I went to go um, see a screening of the documentary Clerk, which was filmed by and done by Malcolm Ingram. A small town gay bar. Also, the director, one of the directors and writers of Drawing Flies, who was also there. After the documentary, Kevin Smith came out and did a Q&A as he is wont to do. And it was really fun. Um, that was my birthday present from Miss Scarlet. And it was fun because we drove over to St. Louis that night. Did that. We left after my question because we had to drive all the way back to three hours here. So I had to work the next day. <laughs> got home at about two thirty, three o'clock and got up at like five to go to work. So well worth it. Uh, so if you can't tell what the subject matter is going to be based off of my question, we're going to talk about part two of Masters of the Universe Revelation. Damn right we are. So that should mean spoilers are implied if you have not seen part one or part two. If you haven't, stop listening to us. Go watch that shit and then come back. Exactly. All right. So did you do that? OK, we're back. Yeah, I gave you a whole 30 seconds to pause my shit. <laughs> uh, we didn't even give him that much. No. So the beginning of that question I asked, I gave a quick follow up um, for a question for the kid in front of me. The kid in front of me who was 13. Asked about moose jaws, <laughs> which was going to be my question. My first question was going to be about when are we going to get moose jaws? Well, then I had to come up with something better. And I was like, well, nobody else. I'm the third question. I'll ask about He-Man. Because like I have postulated on here, how the hell did he get that voice cast? And you heard that a lot of it was just people who loved the IP, grew up on it, and wanted to be involved somehow. So that's kind of cool that they all kind of did it for scale, which is Hollywood's version of minimum wage. Yeah, basically. And... Just, I, I mean, he agreed that it was a waste, like almost a waste, uh, just have these people in a sound booth when you could very expensively do a live action He-Man with these people. Cause, Easily. Because uh, Lena Headey as, uh, as an evil Lynn, my God. Granted, it would just be Cersei, like, revamped, but as he said, that was her inspiration for Cersei anyway. Right. Was evil Lynn. Uh, but so this 13-year-old asked about Moose Jaws. So Kevin gave a very long winded answer, as usual, about what Moose Jaws was for the uninitiated. And I love that he said a movie I have been threatening to make for a few years. <laughs> threatening keyword. I have seen him do it before where he offers like, hey, anyone who's trying to get into the business for props, set design, whatever. Come work on this next movie with me. I'll tell you the dates and where we're shooting. And they not responding. No shit. I'll be deleting some of this garbage out. Okay. So he told the kid it'll be a, probably a few years before he actually gets around to making it. Because if he can't get financing from outside sources, he'll just end up financing it himself like he did Red State. Yep. And he'll make moose jaws. And he asked this kid, will you come help me make it? And this kid's, of course, like, Absolutely. He's like, you come up, you'll come up. Maybe you'll get eaten by a moose. And uh, then once you're done being eaten by the moose, you just come sit next to the, quote, director. And I'll, you can be like my apprentice. 
but don't steal my hat and make the brooms dance. Right. And then the kid laughed. He went, wait, you got that reference? So he was amazed that a 13-year-old knew what Fantasia was. Uh, Great film. But the one movie this kid said he has not seen of Kevin's was Dogma. So it's a hard one to find. <clears throat> yes. Um, unless you were lucky enough to get it when it was actually first released on DVD and Blu-ray. Yeah. You're not going to find it anymore. The dude, two spots behind me, had a copy of it and gave it to the kid. Which was nice. Which was, yeah. So he had a stack of comics that I'm sure Kevin signed, which that was part of the conversation he had right before my question, which was how, like, how'd you get the voice cast? And it was, like I said, mainly just people that loved it. The one thing is my, the main, looking at the voice cast, a lot of it I get. It's either people he's worked with on Supergirl, people that he's had on his podcast, like Mark, who's been in, who was in Jane Bob Strike Back, or Kevin Conroy, who was on the Fat Man on Batman at one point. Like, huh. there was a bunch of vo voice actors that, I don't know how the hell he managed to get people from Game of Thrones. That, I don't know. <laughs> <clears throat> but uh, Chris Wood, who was also on Supergirl, I get how he got involved. Um, yeah, because I don't know how he got uh, Liam Cunningham. Yeah, that's the, like Sir Davos and, and Evil Lynn. I was like, those are the two. I'm like, how? But of course, then Henry Rollins. Yeah, the, that was a big question mark. That too. was a big <laughs> question mark for me because you look at where Henry comes from, the world of punk rock. And I guess if you think about it, it makes sense. Kevin was kind of indie film. That's punk rock. Really? You should have brought your phone. I should have brought my phone. I might leave some of this in just so audacity. I'm going to hashtag you until you're a piece of shit. But Henry originally auditioned to be Skeletor. Yes. <laughs> Can you imagine Henry <laughs> Rollins as Skeletor? As much as I like Mark Hamill as Skeletor, I really kind of want that now. I want there to be like, there's got to be test like audition audio of him reading Skeletor's lines. I want that. Release that shit. <laughs> Hashtag give me the Rollins cut. <laughs> <laughs> Well, what he did as Triclops was great, and that was why Kevin suggested that role, because he knew what they were going to do with him making him a high priest in a cult, and that is right up right up Rollins' alley. Oh yeah, totes. And the fact that he told him to go so over the top that it was uncomfortable, and Harry said, "There's no such thing as uncomfortable." You're right. And I was like, "Oh, <laughs> I want booth footage of Henry reading. Like you got the footage of Robin Williams recording as the genie. Yeah. I want that of Rollins as Triclops when he's just like yelling about what was it? Carnal chaos or whatever. Oh yeah. It. And speaking of the ending of season two, holy fuck. Yes. Yeah, Stay after the credits. If you didn't part one of season one, yeah, Kevin doesn't know if they're going to get a season two fingers crossed, but if you listen to the audio, He's playing coy. Like, he's like, I know nothing. But then his expression is saying, I can't say anything. Yeah, I was about to say, I call bullshit on that. It is apparently New York Times listed that as one of the bet top 50 shows currently on Netflix. Nice. So he has swam through the muck and mire of the negative reviews to find the paradise of the positive reviews, which far outnumber yeah. the Internet trolls. Yeah. And that's kind of what I told him. I'm like, man, I I mean, I got the damn sort of power tattooed on my arm. I'm the audience you need to please. Yeah. And I have no complaints whatsoever about that. Exactly. None. So fuck the other guys. Yes. And it was funny because he said it's like people are like, oh, there's too many black characters or there's not enough black characters 
Or why'd you take the Iron Cross off of He-Man's armor? Because that's all we liked about him. Yeah. What? (laughs) (laughs) What? <clears throat> if that's all you liked about He-Man, you're watching the wrong show. Yeah, they are Nazis. They, they're watching it for a wrong reason. Yeah. I uh, I mean, I was looking like um, Hero, the guy that uh, reforged the sword when they went to Praternia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that was Phil Lamar. Ooh, that's cool. Uh, Cringer. Stephen Root. That's who that voice yeah, was. Yeah, I was. I kept on like, who the hell is Cringer and Battle Cat? Yeah, it's fucking makes, Milton from Office that, that Space. That makes sense now. Yeah, okay. And uh, the guy that played Orko was on The Tick as Arthur on the uh, Amazon Arthur. Or the Amazon no Tick. shit. Yeah. He was also on Supergirl. So there oh, is how. Okay, there's your connection. There's how Kevin got him. So, yeah. So it was really cool when they did the um, flashback to how Skeletor found Evil Lynn when she was an orphan street urchin. Uh. He's wearing this really weird outfit, but you notice his belt loop has the same emblem on it on it that flashes at the end in the post credits. Mm-hmm. Skeletor, and I guess, you know, Kevin said they got access to Mattel's library. Like they were just steeped in the mythos of Eternia and everything. Mm-hmm. So they like all these backstories and stuff. Skeletor, if I'm not mistaken, if I remember correctly, was originally a henchman of Hordak. And that was Hordak's emblem. Ah, Hordax, the main villain of She-Ra. Oh, okay. He has like a skeleton like head with like a pig face type thing. Okay. And I'm not sure who they're going to get to voice him. Um, I had an idea who it should be. Oh, the dude from The Crow that played Top Dollar and was in. And um, was in Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves as the sheriff's cousin. He's got that really low, gravelly voice. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think him. Or Clancy Brown. I could see that, too. Because I I just need more Clancy Brown and everything. But then you'd hear Hordak and you'd think, Mr. Krabs? Yeah, And it would just take me out of it. Now, I don't know if they're going to get She-Ra in it. That's probably one that, because there's already another She-Ra cartoon on Netflix. But it doesn't stop. They made another He-Man one. Yeah, so who knows? But I'm sure there is... She was owned by like the rights for whatever. Yeah, yeah. But if I mean if they're gonna be able to do Hordak, I want I want that version of She-Ra, the heavy metal animation style version of She-Ra. And I want Melissa Benoist from that played Supergirl. That's fucking She-Ra. Yes, because nice. if that's not what he's planning after all the episodes he's directed and he absolutely loves her, I mean he went to her and Chris Wood's wedding. Aw. Like, I mean, come on. <laughs> If that's not his casting choice, Kevin, you've dropped the ball. Because <laughs> that's the casting choice I want. I'm just excited to see what the fuck happens with Digital Skeletor. Yes. Uh, what the shit? Yeah, joining the cult of uh, Motherboard. That's insane. Oh, that was so cool, though, where he's like, really? This is your idol? Worship the pieces. I'm like, that's a badass line. Yeah. And it didn't work. <laughs> Oh, it clearly did not work. <laughs> Epic fail. <laughs> oh, my God. But that was so cool. Um, and then, of course, we have to talk about the one good line that they gave Fisto. <laughs> which was apparently the one joke Kevin wanted to get in. And it was when Skeletor is in the clouds. It's like all of attorney can see him. Fisto's like, I really like to fist him. Yes. <laughs> very bad joke. Probably. <laughs> probably. Okay. It was not necessary, but I love it anyway. 
I had to pause it because I was laughing so hard I thought I was going to die. I don't know who did the voice of Fisto. I I saw somebody like sort of going, really? You guys had to say that? And they had tagged Ralph Garman. So I wonder if Ralph Garman, who is the man of like a thousand voices. Right. He he could have done that. Um, And then Ram Man's like, I got to deliver a special package. And she drops what you think is a bomb. And no, it's Ram Man. Yeah. Voiced by the incomparable Danny Trejo. Yup. Which I was, again, that one doesn't surprise me so much because Jay and Danny kind of became buddies because Danny is a big, is big into sponsoring people to get clean. Mm -hmm. And that was kind of how Danny Trejo got into acting was one of his uh, AA people that he was the sponsor of had called him freaking out. That's right. And was like, dude, I don't know. I feel like I'm going to use. I need I need somebody. So he's like, where are you at? Danny came out to the set. And he got cast in a movie because he just happened to be hanging around. Oh, I mean, it's fucking Danny Trejo. <laughs> yeah. And there's a book. I need. Mean, I think Jay Muse even wrote part of it, like an intro for uh, Danny's. Oh, wait, Donald Logue wrote something like an intro for Danny Trejo's biography. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's. I hear it's really good. I just have, I, you know. I need to see if they got an audiobook. There's an audiobook on Audible of Elvira, uh, Yours Cruelly. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it is read by Cassandra Peterson. Fantastic. Which is the only way I want to hear, hear Elvira's well, yeah, story. Yeah, of course. I, and I didn't realize that, that would be the way to do it until I listened to Matthew McConaughey's book, Green Lights. Right. Read by McConaughey. Well, and, um, and I think I mentioned this before on here, but um, Phil Collins, his memoir, Not Dead Yet. He narrates it. Oh, nice. He, he he narrates the whole thing himself. I think it adds more. You, a person like to the people they have read these audiobooks. That's what they do. So they can put emotion in and they can. But it's not the same as the emotion of the person who wrote it and lived it. Right. Who's that you it may be subtle, but you'll still come across. Um, James Marsters, actually Spike from Buffy, for those of you who don't know. Uh, right. He narrates a lot of audiobooks, uh, the Jim Butcher Dresden Files series. Mm-hmm. And it's him. Nice. So I'm, I I like I've listened to two of those. Which is fun because it is just listening to James Marsters read you a book, which is cool. <laughs> Delightful. I do uh, like James. So I. I was trying to think what else I want to talk about for He-Man because. It was I, I don't I don't I I. I can't say enough good things about it. The the entire when you look at the entire when you look at the entire season as one giant arc. Tila's saga from start to finish is possibly one of the best hero discovering themselves journeys that I you know that has ever been put on animated you know live action otherwise it's just very well done. Yeah, it's just a very good hero journey. And I really liked that. No, what Kevin said that is part one. So the first five episodes is let's create a bunch of problems. Yeah. Part two, let's Let's solve solve a bunch of problems. Yeah. But I like the fact that and it's sad, so I shouldn't like it because it's depressing. But uh, Marlena and uh, Randor. Like their marriage was. Basically over with because they lost their kid. Yeah. And like you get like that whole the not even just the loss of He-Man and magic, but you get the see the real grief that is the loss of Adam. Yes, exactly. Which was probably, I would say, in some cases, a greater loss. 
because you, you see Adam, why he is a champion. You get to see that mm-hmm. when he doesn't call down the power and he is still like standing up against Skeletor who has the damn sort of power. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and that's the other thing I really liked about it too. They <clears throat> not just making Skeletor the bad guy, they flipped it and evil Lynn took it and ran with it. And so you got to have He-Man Skeletor team up. Yeah, that was wild. Which which was really it was really funny because Skeletor was the first one to be like, "Yeah, so you're not going to believe this, but." <laughs> right? Yeah, I was like, "Why why'd you do that?" Because I want you to know what it feels like to save the universe. They missed an opportunity to pull in a line from the Christmas special where Skeletor says, "I don't want to feel good. I want to feel evil." Mm-hmm. They should have had Mark say that. <laughs> that should have been a line in there somewhere. Hey, season two, maybe we'll get there. But the thing, but that was the thing I also liked about. That was the other thing I liked too was the journey that Evil Lynn took, uh, because she she went all over the place when in the course of those ten episodes. I mean, she she was a bad guy, a good guy, a doormat, and suddenly. Queen of the goddamn universe. What is it? What is it with Mark Hamill and voicing people who treat their cartoon girlfriends like shit? <laughs> that was pretty. That was pretty brilliant, though. The way she seduced him and just like oh, yeah, that was like, Fuck like you. are we doing this? Is this is this happening? Are we implying that those two have had sex before? Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> like for for a split second, you're like, oh. Oh, I don't want to see, I don't want this. I don't want to see this. This no, is no, no bad. I don't need All this. bad. <laughs> but the, the thing I liked most about, because when Skeletor shows her, you know, the vast cosmos and everything, and she just has this pure, exi- pure existential crisis. There's no order to this. There's like, no order. And she just, and she just takes that ball and runs with it. She's like, you guys want to, you guys want to see what I've seen? There's no meaning to anything. I'm going to give meaning and order to this shit. I'm going to remake shit. So there's fucking reason for stuff. Yeah. It's the whole thing was just wild. But then like when she calls down the power and she's like, we're like, like she's it got, I mean, they're all jacked and muscular. <laughs> I was like, I wondered exactly how far they would have gone with the muscles on her. Cause he man. Yeah. is really big. Skeletor gets huge. She, she bulked up, but it was a lot of definition. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, but what I'm getting at is there was a lot for for a quote unquote children's cartoon. There was a lot of fucking depth in that sh- in that. It show. was there was there was a lot. It was a lot. And, that, uh, and that's the, the what, topics that they touch on and everything were way deeper than I would have given it credit. I would argue then because this is a spiritual sequel to the original He-Man cartoons that I grew mm-hmm. up with, they right. were campy and yeah. stupid. And there may I mean, be... you still had the campiness in it. You, there may have been a moral, but it was always He-Man coming in and going, until next time, they jump on that thing right away. Kind of like the end of the G.I. Joe cartoons, where instead of, like, instead of, like, you figuring out what the moral is, they just flat out smack you in the face with it. Yeah. Because no one's half the battle. I would almost, yeah, I would almost argue that Revelations is better than the original He-Man cartoons. Uh, yeah, easily. I mean, the animation clearly got better, but that was just a matter of what was going to happen with time. And um, that's the 80s versus now. I mean, that's but just how it is. The depth of the storytelling is I think they found people in the writer's room. Kevin was one of them, but you found people that loved the IP. 
mm-hmm. not just the actors doing the voices. It's the people in the writer's room who are now like becoming scholars on the Eternia mythos through yeah. the Mattel library. And they're just like, all right, well, we can pull this in. We'll do this with it. And like, Cause I mean, there's a lot of crap in there. I'm like, I didn't realize any of that in the cartoon. Like they don't go into depth about, I like how I use people like scare glow. I yeah. remember the cartoon for him, but he's the Lord of the underworld. Yeah. And voiced by, of course, Tony Todd. Fucking Tony Todd. <laughs> yeah. That was awesome. And then he shows up again. Like, that was great when you had, like, zombies and this army of the undead. Mm-hmm. It sucks that, you know, you lost Fisto. And, ah, uh, Clamp Tramp, the guy with the claw hand. Yeah, yeah. Method Man. Oh, really? Yes. Huh. It was Method Man. Wow. So, I mean, and again, he was in the new Jam Bob reboot movie. Oh, okay. <clears throat> that makes sense. He's, I think him and Red Man have both been somehow on podcast with Kevin before anyway, because, I mean, they're, uh, they're also, yeah, the weed, and they're all, they're both comic book nerds. Right, like, right. Red Method Man is, too. And so, there is the bonding thing. But I'm like, that's what I don't think, and of course this thing is going to freeze up on me again, isn't it? I, I don't think Kevin realizes it, that what he... He, and he downplays what he is and what he does. He's like, oh, I'm not a filmmaker. I just, you know, make movies with my friends, which who cares if that's if that, I mean, yeah, he technically, yes, he just happens to have really talented friends. He does. <laughs> but it's not like, oh, he's not out to make. I don't think he ever set out to be Scorsese or no. Spielberg. No, no, no. He set out to be Kevin and make the stories and movies that he Kevin would want to watch and him yeah. and his friends would want to watch. But through that, and just his nature, because you hear people talk about when he comes to, like, I've heard Melissa even talk about, was she on the podcast? Somebody from Supergirl was on his podcast, and it was about when he would come direct. And it was just like, it's just, it's fun. Like, he comes in, and he's like, all right, let's just have a good time today. Yeah. Because, I mean, really, like he says, he could not be there, and the episode would get made. Because yeah. syndicate shows are like that are so there's a whole bunch of other people doing everything else. The director is there to kind of go action cut. Yeah. Maybe redo that, you know, like, yeah, but he, he mainly like, he trusts their choices. And I think very rarely has them do second takes on things because mm-hmm. he's a guest director. They've been playing these characters for X amount of seasons. They know better. They, exactly. clearly, they clearly know what they're doing. They, right. they will know better what level. Right. That a line's going to get delivered, whether it's going to be over the top, if it's going to be subtle. They'll right. know. Exactly. And that's the one thing I think <clears throat> he said, just that he has learned along the way making movies is just trust your actors. This is their job. They're, they're going to make choices. Right. And as long as their choices are as good, or if not better than what I picture, mm-hmm. we're going to keep moving. Yeah. Um, yeah, Justin Long was a uh, Roboto. Was he? Huh. Yeah, that was Justin Long. Uh, again, not surprised. I mean, Kevin. Yeah. Him and Kevin go way back. <laughs> <laughs> they go back to Tusk. Actually, prior to Tusk, don't they? I was about to say before that. They were Z- he was in Zach and Mary. Zach and Mary, yeah, because he was the. Um... Randy Saint, whatever, Randy. Yeah. Kevin Brandon <laughs> Routh were dating. Yeah, him and Superman. Yeah, him yeah. and gay Superman. Which there's another guy. I, I don't be. Well, he's busy with Le, Le, Legends of Tomorrow. But there's a guy that I hope will show up in season two as a voice. Is Brandon Ralph? Sure. 
So the other hypothetical thing I want to talk about is because I mentioned and I've mentioned on here that I want Dolph Lundgren to do a voice <laughs> in this cartoon. Yes. Kevin admitted, yes, that was on their list. They couldn't secure it for this season. But maybe, fingers crossed, season two. There were two people, he said, two big names from the Masters of the Universe movie that they wanted to get involved with the show somehow. Dolph being one of them. Right. And I'm like, who is the second? It can't be Frank Langella because he's passed away. He's passed. There's two names that I can think of. One, Courtney Cox. (laughs) I'd forgotten she was even in that film. And two, Meg Foster, who was Evil Lynn. Oh, that'd be pretty cool. Because that, I mean, she goes a long way. She was in Rob Zombie's Lords of Salem. I mean, she's she's been around. She's done a lot of cool, weird movies. And I don't know how old she was fairly young when she did Master of the Universe. But yeah, Meg Foster was Evil Lynn. Well, bring... Courtney Cox would have had to have been young, too, because oh, this yeah. was pre-Friends. This was probably right around the Bruce Springsteen music video era. Oh, yeah. Dancing on was... the ceiling, yeah. whatever. <sighs> or Dancing in the Dark. Da, 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 Lionel Richie's Dancing on the Ceiling. Yeah. Dancing in the Dark is Bruce Springsteen. <clears throat> yeah, I... I, th- I mean, I don't know who else from that movie. I mean, Billy Barty, he's gone too, right? Uh, sure. He was uh, the little guy that instead of Orko. Oh, yes, yes, yeah, 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 that was, yeah. Bringing it, speaking of Masters of the Universe, it, I noticed, thanked the internet for people pointing out that there are two Masters of the Universe movie references in part two of this. Really? Yes. What were they? One, ah, in the sewer, when uh, they're being chased by two villains, mm-hmm. uh, Tila and her friend. Tila and her friend, yeah. Her girlfriend, because I'm convinced that's what that was. Man, I hope so. Although, you still kind of ship the Adam-Tila thing, too, right? A little bit, yeah. Maybe they're going to be a triad. Who knows? Um... The important thing is that Tila's friend is now a goddamn lieutenant. And she's a man at arms. Yes. And she was so happy. Like, I get all these cool toys. Um, so they're in the little underneath Grayskull, and they're being chased by Goatman, voiced by Kevin Smith. Yeah. And Pigboy. Or Pigface, whatever the fuck they called him. He was in the Masters of the Universe movie, like, for a split second. He handed Skeletor his staff. Oh, Okay. He was like very not very used a lot, but he that was who that was. And then when the sudden but inevitable betrayal of Skeletor. <laughs> uh, right when everything's going wrong, Skeletor's like, oh, if the world's going to end. I'm going to kill He-Man before this shit goes down and let uh, let this be our final battle. That was what Frank Langella said to Dolph Lundgren. Oh, before yeah. They had that giant him in the gold armor battle. Yeah. Which. Apparently, there was a lot more to like Dolph Lundgren and Frank had in the stunt. People had come up with this really awesome battle for that scene. And I guess because of, you know, the clusterfuck that that movie was and budget and time constraints and they had to, like, cut it out. Yeah, because was it? It was one of the movies along with A Quest for Peace. Yeah, I was about to say it was one of the films that bankrupted Canon Films. There if were I remember right. three movies. I read an article about that, actually. Quest for Peace was one of them. And I can't, and He-Man, and there was one other, I can't remember. It was another one I went, oh yeah, it makes sense, because that was bad too. Um, 
So now the internet is wanting Kevin to do Thundercats. Oh, shit. I mean, if they could do Thundercats, because Mark Hamill was Mum-Raw. Do we need Mark Hamill in everything, though? Yes and no. <laughs> like, I don't want him will to I, get... Will I accept it? <clears throat> yes. Like, I don't want him to get overused. As... Yeah. Will I accept Mark Hamill as Mum-Raw? Yes. Is, is there a better choice for Mum-Raw? Absolutely. I say Richard Mull. Who? Bull. Oh, okay, okay. From Night Court. He was the voice of Two-Face on Batman the Animated Series. Because if we're going to just keep dipping into the animated series well for voice actors, I say we, we get him and we get in John Glover, who is the Riddler. Can we get Arlene Sorkin to come back? <laughs> I mean, Tara. We should get Tara Strong involved somehow. She's been on the podcast. True. And she's a voice acting goddess. Oh, okay. So here are the here are the big here are the four big budget pictures that destroyed canon films. <laughs> the four pillars of shit. Yeah, apparently, Life Force, <laughs> Over the Top. There we go. That was the other one. <laughs> Superman Four, Masters of the Universe. Seeing three of those were in '87. Over the Top, Superman Four, and Masters of the Universe all dropped in '87. So those were the three that single handedly crushed it. Oh my god! And I will say, He Man. At the box office. Because we all, all of us He-Man kids were like, yay, He-Man movie. And then we watch it and we're like, that's not He-Man. Yeah. Why are they on Earth? Why are they playing a keyboard? <laughs> Skeletor's just got makeup on. Interesting. I may have to read that later. Yeah, that. I, I, I can't say it enough, good, enough about that. Like, that's. Oh, it, it's to the point where I'm like, I need to go buy He-Man toys for short round. Right. I'm like, you need to be schooled in He-Man. We did. What did we watch the other day? Uh, besides Muppet Christmas Carol this morning, we watched a Goofy movie today. Oh, cute. He was dancing around to eye to eye. Oh, nice. Which, well, you guys were watching Casper. We watched Casper. Um, I put on the Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. I'm just making sure we're still rolling. We still are. It's still lagging behind. Oh, okay. Um, I put on Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, and earlier, before you got here, we watched The Grinch. Oh, yeah. Like, the Boris Karloff Grinch. Yeah, the, the good The one. Grinch. The Grinch. Not Nothing against Jim Carrey or the uh, Scott Mosier directed. Yeah, they're both, I mean, they're both all right. I liked the new one that came out. That cartoon was actually pretty good. Yeah, I did, too. What was it, Benedict Cumberbatch? Was Benedict it? Cumberbatch was the Grinch, yes. Uh, so that's why I, there's what that Kevin needs to start doing is start trying to get Marvel to make, let him do cartoons and just start getting those guys to come in and do voices. Man, that'd be fucking wild. I but, mean, they were going to let him do Howard the duck at one point, but, but I mean, Kevin's got a pretty big hand in DC at the moment. So I don't <laughs> know if Marvel wants to, he's still like, I, I, he still talks to like Joe Quesada and I think Jim Lee's over in DC now. Uh, it's really weird to watching these people flip from Marvel to DC. Like they just pack up their stuff and go across the street. Right. I mean, it's <clears throat> honestly, you know, does it really matter? I, I I don't really feel like there's that big of a rivalry at this there, point. There really I think they're isn't. just, I think it's like more mutual admiration for each other. It should, and it really should be. They should be wanting to, and it is going to make it, I'm going to make a wrestling analogy too. It's like, you should want the competition to make you want to be better. 
Right, exactly. And therefore, you make your competition look to be better. And what happens is, we get good comics. Yeah. Or as wrestling fans, we get good wrestling stories. Yeah. Versus AEW, who actually seems to be putting effort into that, and WWE, not. Not at all. <laughs> not even slightly. And man, they keep releasing people. Who's going to be left? Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar at this point? Yes. That's all that they're going to have. Because they just got rid of Morrison? <clears throat> I don't know. Did you watch... No, I didn't. I oh didn't have a chance to watch God. that yet. I'm going to, though. That was so... I knew where you were going with this. You're talking about the CM Punk. The CM Punk and MJF. The the bat, the Battle of Wits. The Battle of Mikes, which I... Jim Cornette even said it was brilliant. And for him to come out and compliment anything Yeah, related, yeah, that's... that's when he big... has been around so long, he is jaded to all of it. Yeah, right. <laughs> but he... Like, you... He clearly popped for some of the references. Like, people are good. Like, they're mentioned, they mentioned the other company without mentioning the other company. Of course. But for it to be real and for it to come off as real, you have to acknowledge CM Punk's failed UFC career. Mm-hmm. You have to acknowledge where he was before this. Yeah. And he took seven years off. And mm-hmm. you have to point this stuff out without saying the names. But, I mean, they... Like MJF at one point says something to CM Punk that that you uh, you come out here and you're like I love here's, here's my impression of your promos. It's great to be an insert city. <laughs> I look forward to a match tonight against insert opponent. Because <laughs> they these two guys, they're MJF is known for being really good on the mic. I don't know if I've ever seen him wrestle, but he is so good at being a heel. He comes off so slimy that I wouldn't even want to compliment him on how good of a heel he is if I saw him in public. <laughs> because he just he is, he is no, he is just that hateful. Like he comes off that believably slimy that I'm just like, I don't like the guy. Right. And CM Punk is known for being good on the mic, like the yeah. pipe bomb and just his promos. Is like he tends to like, I really don't know if they coordinated what they were going to say about each other or if they just went out there and just started winging it. Because he called MJF a less famous Miz. <laughs> that, that's the part I wanted to see. Because <laughs> that shit's and funny. MJF says you need the, the crap that you're coming out here doing where you're like, you know, shaking hands, kissing babies type thing. You need to come out and just start preaching hustle, loyalty, respect. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, damn, they just slammed John Cena? Yeah. And then they mentioned the King of Kings. Oh, yeah? Uh-huh. As another person, opponent who held CM Punk back. Or when CM Punk says to MJF, the only way you're ever going to be number one around here is if Tony Khan, you stay around long enough for Tony Khan to have a daughter you can marry. Oh, shit. I'm like, (laughs) and it's the Chicago crowd is just eating it up, going nuts. I'm going to watch that this weekend. Mark Henry. I'll have some free time. Mark Henry said that he was back by the monitor with 30 other of the wrestlers watching this promo watching these two go together were like they a, fucking laughing their balls he's off he's like they, he, they were popping the guys they were getting the guys to like laugh and like cheer or react and so Mark Henry said I had to go out and see what the crowd was doing because if you can make the roster do that yeah I gotta feel the energy that's yeah. coming out of those guys yeah the crowd and I it was that was the only thing I watched that week for AEW I heard about this <clears throat> encounter that had been like a long time coming. Like it's one of those like, oh, we can't wait for these two people to collide. And they just kept putting it off and putting it off, and putting it off. Until they finally like he interrupts CM Punk. 
and then start talking shit to each other. Yeah. And the one thing uh, Jim Cornette mentioned, which I didn't think about until Jim said it, and then I remember the thing, is they start off in opposite corners, Mm -hmm. just throwing zingers at each other. And as the insults get more personal and things get more heated, they they start coming closer. Instead of starting off face-to-face. Right. They let it build because CM Punk's playing it like I'm just going to let this snot nosed brat talk like whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, we're just going to let him get this shit off his chest because who is he? I'm, I'm CM Punk. He can't touch me. Right. But it, it was really it was really good. Some stuff uh, he makes some of the some of the little barbs he tries to throw at CM Punk. I don't think landed as well as some of the other ones, but. Still an entertaining. It experience. was still entertaining. And again, it's one of those you just say it. And if it lands, cool. If it doesn't, keep going. Keep moving. Yep. So yeah, we went from we went from He-Man to wrestling, I'm which con- makes sense. I'm convinced. I'm I am 100 percent convinced that um, oh fuck, what's the trio that's on WWE? If they're if they're even still there, the new, um, new day. The new day. I'm convinced that they just took those three guys and were like, you know what? Just start saying shit, and we'll just and just keep rolling with it. It was. It's almost like that. Actually, I think Big E has a title right now. Uh, yeah, that's right. Belt he does. On him. Uh, they were three people that WWE had no idea what to do with. And when they do that, they're like, you're a team now. Yeah. And that's almost always a nail in the coffin. Almost. Like, almost always. Um, but for them. But what they did is they were like, all right, how are we going to make this work? And it really was them just coming up with shit and they were just coming out and saying it. And either it stuck or it didn't. Yeah. But like. They would go to the prop department and Xavier would be like, hey, can I get a trombone? Right. And, and they're it, like, sure. Next day, there's a trombone. And they just kept and they, it just kept getting more and more insane. So what they, they were <laughs> they were handed what should have been a oh, crap. We're done type of situation. Yeah. They got it over. Yeah. And I mean, Kofi had a, had a belt for a little while until, you know, Brock Lesnar beat him in like 20 seconds or some shit. Well, I mean, it's fucking Brock Lesnar. But, I mean, they they took something. They went from the... Kofi used to be pretty much not high. He was upper mid-card. Yeah. And then when they make the New Day, they were kind of on the bottom of the card. Yeah. it's like, here's three guys. We don't know what to do with them. They're a a faction now. They busted their ass and tried any throwing pancakes into the crowd. They, they literally Budios, did, like, they did anything they could to get, to get some, they kind decided of to go so goofy with it. The fans just latched on. Yeah. And they brought themselves back <clears throat> up. Yeah. It's, it's insane that that it's, it's just insane how well it worked. Yes. Because that it really is something it's, it's a shtick that should not have worked. And it did. Exactly. I yeah. Uh, for my for my money, one of the most entertaining things ever was there was a streak of there's like a streak of Royal Rumbles <laughs> that if you watch them, if you watch them, one of the one of the get one of the one of the best parts is they're gonna throw Kofi Kingston over the top rope, but he's gonna jump on everything possible to get. He's back gonna in find a way to not land on to his to not land feet. on his feet outside the ring. Yeah, and. It, that became like a running gag it for did. Like several yes. rumbles. <laughs> it did. It was about as fun as the time Lawler snuck out under the bottom rope and hit under the ring for most of the rumble. Yep. And then somebody went, wait, where's the king? And they got out and drug him out and threw him back in the right? <laughs> <threw> him over. <laughs> I still think the moment that cracked me up was one of the bushwhackers. 
coming down the entrance, doing his little yeah. entrance, gets in the ring. Immediately, he's doing that in the ring. Gets whoop, gets clotheslined immediately outside the ring and lands, lands on his feet, feet and just keeps, does this keeps right, going. Back, just he, right back out. He didn't miss a beat <laughs> at nope. all. Nope. <laughs> that was pretty good. Uh, oh, my God. That was great. My <laughs> my favorite, my I, one of my all-time favorite moments in WWE history ever was the time that Honky Tonk was supposed to fight somebody for the Intercontinental title, and I guess, oh, I think it was Bruce the Barber Beefcake. <sighs> he was supposed to take on Beefcake for the title, and, of course, he had gotten gashed in the forehead by Outlaw Ron Bass, and so he was unable to, he was unable to wrestle. Honky Tonk being the asshole that he is, <laughs> get me somebody out here to wrestle, I don't care who it is. All of a sudden... Ultimate Warrior comes tearing ass out of the fucking back of the stadium. Slant, clotheslines him, picks him up, slams him, drops, slams on him again. One, two, three. A whole thing's over in like 15 seconds. It's kind of what happened to Hunter at WrestleMania one year against the Warrior. What? Yeah, it was, uh, it was right after the curtain call incident. And it was... Kevin and Scott were gone. Sean's the champion. You can't punish him. Oh, that's right. So there was a year where Hunter lost every match he was in for a year. Oh, and he didn't because of, bitch. Because of them. Because of them coming out at the end of the, at a house show in Madison Square Garden, coming out and hugging Hugging each other or whatever. Like, breaking kayfabe, right? Breaking kayfabe. And it was some dude who had a camera. And uh, I think. There was either was it on Dark Side of the Ring or just one of the A&E biographies. Somebody, they did something about the curtain call incident and they interviewed the kid who had the video camera, who videotaped it. Oh, yeah? Yeah. He said that was, back then it was you could sneak crap in like that. Oh, yeah, sure. And he had a video camera and he was like, oh, my. Oh. He's like, we weren't like heartbroken. We thought this was awesome. Like, right. We're in there. We're watching this moment. And we know they're not like good guys. Bad. We, we get it. We get it. Yeah. He's, We're not it was stupid. Just, you could hear the crowd went nuts when they did it because whether or not they knew the true ins and outs that oh these two guys are getting ready to go to WCW. Yeah. We understood that they might be friends. Yeah. And that was just a cool moment to right. share. And so Triple H had to lose every match for a year and he didn't bitch. Like he took that Oh no, yeah, he, he, he took he, that punishment on the chin and just yeah. did what he was supposed to and that when people are like, Oh, he doesn't deserve to be on top. He he paid his dues. No, he did. Yeah, he 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 paid dues. He came out and at a WrestleMania, I will say it was WrestleMania twelve or thirteen. Couldn't be twelve because that was Bret Hart, so it had to be thirteen. And he had a match with Warrior, and that was pretty much it. Him and Sable came out. He did his little bow, put his stuff on the gave it to Sable. Warrior's music hits, runs around the ring, gets in, power slam, pin, runs out, gone. <laughs> so that was part of the year that he that had to was lose part it. of that. Yeah, oh, that's like he didn't even get offense in. <laughs> nice. I'll have to go back and watch that one. That's funny. Yeah, it's one of those blink and you miss it matches. Well, that's what the fucking honky tonk match was, too. <laughs> I was like, motherfucker came tearing ass out of there and just destroyed him. You know who else might be a good voice for Hordak now that I'm thinking about it? Christopher Lloyd. Oh, wow. He was the voice of Rasputin and Anastasia. Yeah, he was. In the dark of the night, terror will find you. Sorry. Yeah. That was a good musical to watch. There was no bar talk, though, so I was a little disappointed. <clears throat> hey. 
I get it. The animation they had to do something different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I yeah, I want I want more He Man. I want someone to take some of the other cartoons I grew up with and approach it with that much love and adoration and adding so, some depth to it. So like what, mask? Gobots? Yeah, mask. Fuck the Gobots. <laughs> I, I posted a thing that said, you know, some future we'll actually be able to just take our consciousness and put it into robots. We I have hope two, so. We have two choices. Transformers or Gobots. You can only pick one. It's, yeah, everyone's like, why are Gobots even an option? Uh, yeah. I'm like, because it's the Walmart version of it. I'm trying to think. Of- I had Gobot toys, too. I say this, and I'm making fun <laughs> of it. I had the damn toys. Well, yeah, because, you know, you can't always afford the Transformers. I also had, I also had toys for Captain Power, which was this thing that you had a VHS that you could play, and it had, like, a ship, and you put him in it, and it was a light gun. Oh, okay. I vaguely remember that. I, for and a minute, he had like gold armor, and for a minute, I thought you were talking about Captain N. I'm like Captain N, the Game Master. No, nope. no, Captain Power. Okay, Captain Power. That's along with those I, like other cartoons, like Brave Star. Shit, I forgot about that one. I'm I'm just trying to think of shit along that line that like it I mean, was Thundercats would be a good one for them to do some sort of like revelation type thing with it. Uh, with, you could do that. With, you could do that with Thundercats. I could see that. Um, but I'm just trying to think of like forgotten, forgotten '80s animated properties that like no one goddamn remembers. Like I, I've been looking for, and I wish it existed on DVD. Is Mask Count, was my go-to. With Count Duckula. I did like Count Duckula. I found a couple of DVDs of like specific episode type things, like a, maybe mm-hmm. it was a movie special they did. Yeah, but not the full like set. And I guess because Netflix just redid Danger Mouse. Yeah. They're going to apparently spin off and add put Count Duckula in it. Really? And then spin off. Nice. Of course, you know, it's the internet. I read that and it may never happen. But <clears throat> well, if it does, I'll be there. I'll watch it because I love Count Duckula. That's, uh, that was the first time I heard Hoorah and Up She Rises. Oh, yeah. Okay. The episode, they had a mummy in it and her name was Hoorah. Or no, <laughs> her name was Up She. Her name was Up She. And it was Up She Rises. Like she's yeah. a mummy. She woke up. And her little servants would sing that song. That's the first time I heard that. Well, and there um another one, too, uh, when they rebooted, when they re... I don't know if it was technically a reboot, but when they when they did the recent, most recent version of DuckTales, mm-hmm. they basically yes. rebooted Darkwing Duck. Yep, and, and they're going to give him his own show. Give, yes. they're going to do a show of that. Ah, I need that, too, because I've been watching those on on Disney Plus as well, the old Darkwing Duck. Yeah. Like Tailspin. Yeah. Chip and Dale's Rescue Rangers. I've been watching that one. That's another one they might spin off because they kind of had it in DuckTales as well, I think. Really? See, I haven't finished watching all of the new um, the new DuckTales. Yeah. I need to. Uh, I'm trying to remember what the 80s cartoons. But, I don't know if this was 80s, but um, do you remember a cartoon called Duckman? Yeah, that with, was on uh, USA. With, with George, yeah, with George Costanza as, as Duckman. Yep, Duckman. Hell, that, well, there was this whole... Um, set of cartoons I would watch in the morning and I think Duckula, Count Duckula was part of it but there was also Banana Man and I can't remember there was a bunch of other just really bad like old like British cartoons well USA used to have the Saturday it was either the Saturday or Sunday Morning Express and mm-hmm. it was like on a it, it was set on a train or whatever you know the promos were but it was like a bunch of old cartoons like the Herculoids were part of it and like um, you know the old Hanna-Barbera shit yeah oh they um there's also a comic 
a cartoon called Comic Strip, which you would get different. Like there was like Monster Camp or something. It was like little Universal monsters at camp. Ah, oh, cool. Okay, that would have been neat. They were just little like eight minute bits, and they would go to another one. That's cool. Yeah, I, yeah, I think I think Thundercats is something I would like to see somebody, especially with the style of animation they did for Masters of the Universe Revelation. Well, they did good. They did a reboot of Thundercats. Um, I think it was Cartoon Network that did it. Yeah, they made back it look in like, like 2013, 2014, somewhere they in there. They made it look like and anime. It, yeah, they made it more anime-ish. And I'm like, I, if I'm watching anime, the anime animation, yeah, say that five times fast. <laughs> the anime animation style works for that that medium for anime. Not for Thundercats. I don't know. In some cases, it can't. Like they did, um, they did anime. They did anime stuff with Star Wars, and that actually does Ooh, look really cool. What did I? I just I had a thought. They had, used to do a cartoon for Legend of Zelda. Bring me that back. Yeah, yeah. Give me, give me a serious. Like, I've been wanting a Legend of Zelda movie or something that treats it serious. I'm that gives me a really cool. Like, I'm really shocked. I'm really shocked that they haven't done a live a live action Legend of Zelda series. You know what happened with that? Actually. Someone leaked that Netflix was going to do it, and Nintendo immediately was, immediately was like, "No, you're not. We're canceling it." <laughs> it was. Because, I thought it was an April Fool's joke. No, no, it oh. was. Um, Nintendo. Once Nintendo heard the rumor, can't. Once Nintendo heard the rumor about it, they were like, "Uh, no, we're not going to do that after all, just because." Fuck Nintendo. It was. It was back when they, you know. And that hurts me to say, I am the <laughs> Nintendo generation. It was it was because, you know, they they had such um, they had such a shitty time after that first Super Mario Brothers movie. Hey, speaking of, they're doing another but, one. But of course, now that now that Nintendo has changed their tune on it and they're doing an animated version. So hopefully maybe they'll change their minds. Is on it the animated? Zelda I know they've too. got Chris Pratt as the voice of or as Mario. Like they're doing a Super Mario movie. No, it's animated. It's animated. It's not. It's, it's, not it's live still Chris Pratt going to be Mario. Yeah. Jack Black's going to be Bowser. Oh my god! It's, I I don't even know if that's a train wreck I want to watch. <clears throat> I mean, I'm I'll still watch it, but who's going to be yeah, Luigi? It's gonna be, but yeah, it's going to be animated. It's going to be animated by the same outfit that did like Despicable Me and Minions and all those. Okay, I'll probably give it a chance because I mean the bar's low. Illuminate. And I didn't hate the Mario Brothers movie, so it's funny because that film's kind of found a cult following of its own now it's got i mean it it has its moments you look at the cast you had dennis hopper you had bob hoskins young john, john Leguizamo, Leguizamo. uh fisher stevens uh, it's a good cast a talented freaking cast yeah what they decided to do for the world and the script and the story was where it all fell apart <laughs> Uh, if you want to, <clears throat> you want to watch, you want to read some interesting shit. Read the behind the scenes about them making that film. Oh god, it is insane. Because I don't think, for <laughs> for one, I don't think it was anything close to what Nintendo wanted. And the directors of the film, they just did too much cocaine. Well, that too, but there was just they wanted to change it up because you know if you look at if you look at the game and you try to translate that into live action. It doesn't really make a whole lot of but fucking the, sense. The game has a story, right? The princess has been stolen by Bowser for some reason. I don't know why, but there's plumbers that are going to go save her. But but think about it logically. That that game makes absolutely no sense. Yeah, 
most, trying to translate it to most live, of those early video, video games made no sense. Cubert. Yeah, but somehow they made fucking Sonic the Hedgehog work. I'm gonna do a second one. And who did I see was gonna be the? It was voice? surprisingly good. I was shocked. Who's the voice of Knuckles? I don't know, but they, the voice of Sonic is uh, Dewey from the New Ducktales. Yes, but they've got, they've got Knuckles is gonna be in it. And oh, it's Idris Elba, isn't it? Yes, there we go. I was trying to think. It's somebody that you would not think. Yeah, you wouldn't expect it. Idris Elba is the voice of Knuckles. Again, I'm going to watch that going, what do they have on him? <laughs> I watched The Suicide Squad the whole time going, how did they get Idris Elba? That movie is hilarious. It is, and I'm, I'm waiting for... Uh, Peacemaker? Peacemaker. Oh, yeah. Maybe not the movie, like the show spinoff I would have done, but I'll watch it. I got to say, I think I'm probably the only person in the free world right now that's look that's like kind of really super stoked about the fourth Matrix movie. Because I just want to see what the fuck they're going to do, because are they I, going to ignore the last I think two? they're basically ignoring two and three. OK, then I, I'm on board <laughs> I, it, from from the trailer I've seen of it, it. It looks like they're just ignoring that two and three happened. I think you justify two and three as a fever dream that occurred. It didn't actually happen. It was somewhere in Neo's head, like a freaking glitch. Something. I don't I don't really know how they're going to play that off, but it's the fourth one actually makes it look interesting again. That's good. Is it still the Wachowskis? One of them. One of them. <sighs> yeah. Oh, I saw the test footage leak pictures anyway of Momoa as the crow. You know what? I'd watch that. That apparently, I guess it's not happening now, but test footage leaked and it was just pictures of him in the makeup with no shirt on doing weird things. And I'm like, I'm looking at it going, OK, I kind of see some of his tattoo on the arm. But then looking at the face, I can't tell if it's a Photoshop or if mm. it's an actual legit leak. Like, Well, to be fair, no one thought Deadpool was going to get made until they leaked the test footage of Ryan Reynolds. The Ryan Reynolds leaked the test footage of Ryan Reynolds? Yeah, yeah, yeah that's right. I forgot. <laughs> I don't know if he's admitted to that yet or not. He may not under like threat of pain of death, but... But we all know we it all was know. him. We all, we all know it was him. <laughs> yeah. We're like, we we see you, Ryan. He sh we, he'll probably know. just blame Nathan Fillion for leaking it. <laughs> probably. Nathan Fillion leaked it. Um, I saw this is unrelated, sort of, that the two-part episode, they did a two-part Titus reunion that Titus put up online. Really? And he got Zach Ward, Cynthia Watro, Stacy Keach. Nice. Cause he's like, if you, if you watch the three seasons, you end with Titus in a mental ward. <laughs> and that kind of makes sense. Cause it's when he's on a plane, he decides that his mom was crazy. So he's probably crazy. He's reading an article and he loses his shit on an airplane post nine 11. Oh shit. Which is not what you do. No. And so, yeah, they end up being like, interviewed by Homeland Security and everything. And he ends up in a mental institution because he's lost his mind. So now here's a follow up to something. What happened? Yeah. And I, I, I remember him talking about it on his podcast and they were like crowdfunding it or whatever. But I guess he was putting it up and like buying the episode. You can like, it went to help like a charity or something. But yeah, it was it's a two part episode and it is the Titus reunion. And they got Stacy Keach to come back. Nice. And I, they, they got Cynthia to come back. I was like, oh, my God, they got I think they even got Tommy. Like they were the, the they got the whole cast back. Nice. Which that's cool. Another show that I need to actually watch all the way through. 
because I'd only I've only seen select episodes when they aired. Oh uh, yeah, we used to. I'm a, some of my friends used to watch it, and we'd catch part of it before we started playing Werewolf or Vampire, or right? Because <clears throat> that's how I got into that's how I got into Highlander the TV series was it was in syndication on USA, and we would we would be we would be getting ready to. Um, like all of us would be, we'd be waiting on one or the other people for, you know, for us to go eat dinner at the, at the union station at, at the university. And we would just be sitting there watching USA for no good reason. Just watching Highlander waiting on everyone else to get there. I still love that show. I've been watching it on. Hulu. It's not on Hulu anymore. No, it's moved. and It's not on Amazon. Crackle. It might be on Peacock. Oh, it might be. I can't remember. There's too many now. Too many streaming there, services. There really are. It's it's gotten nuts. Well, I think we've like <laughs> sucked Bull, T-Man's dick. We, we bullshat our way into an hour episode. Hour and ten minutes, but we have nice. uh, good job blown smoke up He-Man's ass for a while. <laughs> By the power of Grayskull. By the power of Grayskull. That was. You know, there was, I was wondering if they would both grab the sword at one point and do it. What would happen? Oh, that'd be fun. So I'm curious. That, well, I like the fact that he could call it down without the sword. Yeah, that's kind of And cool. then it's just savage He-Man. Yeah. Fucking straight up crazy ass He-Man. And that was all oh, that was a moment. Like, there are moments in part two, especially, they're going to make you cry. If you like invested enough in that moment where Randor sees his son. Yeah. And Randor is Diedrich Bader. No shit. Yes. He was a th- he was like three different people in it, but he was King Randor. Huh. But yeah, when he's he just walks up to him and talks him down, talks him back into Adam. Yeah, because I like you like you're like and then he's like, my son. And like you get that pan out of him just hugging him. And then he man's like, er, <laughs> confused. Yeah. Like, I'm going to smash. No, I'm not going to smash you. Maybe not. Yeah. I don't know. No Hulk smash. No Hulk smash. Yeah, so. that's. Yeah, you're right. There was a lot of <clears throat> heart. There's a lot of heart to it. A surprising amount of heart to that show. Like even like whatever the hell this thing that was, it was in the dungeon with Duncan that doesn't yeah. die. So they just leave it down there because they can't kill it. Yeah. And, and then like, Duncan befriends it. Yeah. And they're tor- it's getting tortured by Skeletor. And he's like, it's OK. We'll, 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 we'll get you out of here. Yeah. Like What the hell? Yeah, there's so. Yeah, and you do. You do feel sorry for evil then. You know who I really felt sorry for, though, was Beast Man. Oh, yeah. He loved Evil Lynn. Like, there's no like, oh, I'm just your loyal servant. No, no, that's not what that was. Nah, he he really did love her. He loved her because he was he was ready to go to war with Skeletor for her. Yeah. And that's not something Beast Man would normally do. No. And then she (laughs) and then she fucking spurned him. And then she turned him into a damn dog. What a dick. became, Became her battle cat. She killed Skeletor's cat. That was pretty funny. His fucking panther? <laughs> that was pretty funny. Because Ske- Skeletor go, I will kill you for that. <laughs> oh, there was, yeah. Oh, my God, Mark Hamill. I was watching an interview with him. It was around the time Chucky came out. Uh, the new Child's Play. Oh, yay. And uh, they were That's asking. That's another show I want to start. They were asking about his voice, how he got into voice acting. Because he was always big into voices. Mm-hmm. He would go to the record store. He would go straight to the kids section, pick up the records, and flip it over. And look at who's the who does this voice? Who is he was putting names to the voices of these characters. Mm-hmm. And that's how he started mimicking those characters. And he got better at voice acting. 
His first voice acting job was on a teenage um, I Dream of Genie cartoon. <laughs> and he was the voice of like the main dude in it. The Larry Hagman character. Yeah, the Larry Hagman character. Yeah. But it was like it was like when she's a teenager and they're teenagers. It was like some you know what they did back then, like yeah, in the okay. 60s and 70s, right? Yeah, yeah. And that was his first gig. And he said he walked in to record and there are his heroes, Mel Blanc. And like all these, like these are the voice acting gods of his youth. That's Dalton. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, yeah, that was uh, it was really cool because he talked about how he came up with. The. Um, the Joker voice, mm-hmm. which was based a lot off of the Invisible Man. It was like crazy. You want to see crazy? Like he uh, okay. That came up. That's where he came up with that. And uh, he said he decided that the Joker needed to have different types of laughs yes. depending on his mood. Yes, I, I I I saw that in one of the documentaries about the Batman animated series. That's why you 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 know if you're in danger based off the laugh. Yeah, and. I think he said his favorite line. I can't remember. He said who played the character. Now I have to look it up. It was the man who almost killed Batman or the man who killed Batman. Oh yeah. 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 The little guy. I can't remember who played the voice, but he said who it was. And I'm like, that's who that was. I'll have to look it up again. But, um, that was my favorite. One of my favorite lines is when he's done giving this eulogy and threaten, like basically sends this guy off to die like a incinerator. He's like, well, that was fun. Who's for Chinese. Who's for Chinese. (laughs) Oh my God. That that was a good line. It's just because it's so it's that's like it's very Joker. It is. It's like that's the quintessential Joker and right there. He mentioned something to me. And I think this is where he said he got the idea of the laugh from was he loved. And I appreciate the fact that he said this because he loved Frank Gorshin's Riddler. Yeah. He said and it wasn't like I think he even said he talked to Frank about it. And it was it's not the Riddler is laughing. What's he laughing at? Right. That's what tells you everything you need to know about mm-hmm. him is what's making him laugh. Exactly. And I'm like, ooh, because, yeah, 66 Batman Riddler was way over the top and like hyperactive. But we only have him now. John and John Glover and Jim Carrey to look at for our Riddlers. Mm-hmm. I, I, I guess I'm sorry. The dude that played him on Gotham did pretty good. I don't remember his name now, but he did a good job as Riddler <clears throat> on Gotham. And we're going to get whoever the hell's playing him in, in this new Batman movie. Batman Twilight, whatever it is. <laughs> that would be a good name for it. Batman, colon, Twilight. He puts glitter on his suit. Because it'd be the, you know, it's the Twilight of the Batman era. Yeah, yeah, and he's got glitter on his suit, so it sparkles when the lights hit him. No. And Kristen Stewart is Catwoman. It's just Twilight with Batman actually, costumes. Actually, it would it would have to be when he does the wings, like underneath <laughs> are all sparkles. He's got like, like that. He's got like ground effects lights in the like yeah. spining of yeah. the wings, and it's it's almost like wait, are we watching Kinky Boots or Batman? Right now, <laughs> the fact that you reference Kinky Boots is this Hedwig <laughs> and the Angry Inch in Gotham? Hey, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> with, with, with. <laughs> You're not wrong, but fuck you. <laughs> hey, I'm not making fun of Hedwig in the Angry Inch. I'm making fun of Robert Pattinson's Batman. I know, I know. And, and I am willing. I'm going to give him a chance. I'll make fun of it, but I'll give him a chance. I'll end up watching it, just not in theaters. Oh, probably not. I don't go to the theater for hardly anything anymore. 
I mean, if I didn't see Shang-Chi in theaters, which I'm kicking myself about now having actually, after having actually seen it, oh, I, I, need to, I don't believe I'm going to go see it's Batman. It's like Ghostbusters is only in theaters. I'm like, oh, wait. I need to see Ghostbusters. That's one I would make an exception for. I really do want to see that one in theaters. But I think my next one's going to be Spider-Man. Oh, um, Spider-Man clusterfuck. Have you, have you still been avoiding everything about it? <sighs> I ended up... I, I I couldn't avoid it at the gym the other day. They uh, showed they happened to show a trailer, and I was like, "So much crazy!" There is, <laughs> they're they're fucking forcing the Sinister Six in there, man. They really are. Like you, I mean, granted, you don't see Venom in or Vulture, but you've got Goblin, Doc Ock, Sandman, apparently Electro. Yeah, that's four out of the six. I, it's gonna be bug fucking sanity. I'm so here for it. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm amazed. Uh, I was uh, having dinner with family last night and uh, my nephew's girlfriend asked, like, so who's the better Spider-Man out of the three? And I'm like, Tom Holland. Tom Holland. Hands down. Hands down. I said, if it weren't for the existence of Spider-Man 3, I would say Tobey Maguire had a chance. I mean, Tobey Maguire was good. Don't get me wrong. And honestly, I liked Andrew Garfield, too. But Tom, I, but Tom Holland's just fucking knocking it out the park. He is what Peter Parker should be. Yeah. He's awkward. He's he's tortured by this double life and how he can't tell anybody. So he's got to shoulder all of this burden by himself. Mm -hmm. Now he can tell Ned. Now he can tell MJ. And now Aunt May knows. But well, now, now everybody knows. <laughs> now, now the cost of them knowing is what? So, yeah, exactly. But I mean, Andrew Garfield, I did not like because he was this cool outsider nerd. That was kind of popular, and that's not was, Peter Parker. He was... It, it was funny because the way he played it, it was like he was so awkward that it came around to being kind of coolish. Yeah, he was quirky. And I'm just like, I don't... That's not... Yeah, Peter Parker's a nerd. He's a little quirky. But he's so awkward that he's not popular. They're like this, like There were people like giving him high fives and shit in the halls. I'm like... Yeah, no. Nah. That's not Peter Parker. No. Now, I will say this, though. I think Emma Stone was an excellent Gwen Stacy. Very true. Emma Stone's excellent in everything. Well, you're not wrong there, but... Um, I mean, hell, give her a chance to be Jean Grey. Shit, I'd watch that. <laughs> give her the full Phoenix and Dark Phoenix arc. Both of them. Oh, not man. just Dark Phoenix, where you can fuck it up. Start with the Phoenix. You have to know why it becomes dark. You have to do the full... You guys can't see this. You guys can't see this at home, but I think the table just raised a couple inches. Shit. I just, I don't know. Give her anything for Jean. Hell, give her, make, give me the Age of Apocalypse movie with one-handed Wolverine and Jean Grey. Ugh. Gotta be insane. Keep Hugh Jackman. Bring him back. Put a metal thingy on one hand so he doesn't have. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no, Sp Spider-Man 3, uh, the, the insanity is and probably what I'm probably the next thing I'm seeing in actual theaters. And Sony has confirmed three more. Now I see I've heard conflict. I've heard conflicting reports on that. I heard it was confirmed. And then I heard that they denied it. So I don't know. I don't know. The last thing I read was confirmed. I three mean, more Marvel produced. I don't see why they wouldn't. And, and it says Spider-Man movies. It doesn't actually mean Spider-Man, whatever. It could be something in the spider verse. Now I don't see why they wouldn't because you know, Money? This is, I mean, clearly this is going to make you st 
straight up, ca- you could just print money with these fucking films. So yeah. I don't know why you, you wouldn't. You continue could literally to probably just put Spider Man on the fucking hundred dollar bill. No one will care. Yeah, print money. I don't see. I don't see why you would not continue doing the Spider Man films. But hey, what do I know? Yeah, keep Tom Holland around. Build your way up to Miles Morales. Build up to him needing someone to take his place at some point. Mm-hmm. Give me a. Let Tom Holland become the adult Peter Parker. Yeah. Let him get through college. Let him become this adult who can't seem to get his life together and he ends up becoming sweatpants Peter Parker from Into the Spider-Verse. <clears throat> you just want Jake Johnson as I want Jake Spider-Man. Johnson as Spider-Man so bad. I didn't know I wanted that until I heard him, his voice as Peter B. Parker. Yep. It was so good. And I've been re-watching Newer Girl, which is just great. <laughs> but yeah, so that... Like I said, that'll probably be the next film I see in theaters as much as I want to go see Ghostbusters Afterlife. Um, funny story about that, though. My my oldest leaves for Hawaii the same fucking day that Spider-Man comes out in theaters. It'll, probably, like, be, it'll probably be the in-flight movie. I was like, I was like, well, guess what? You're not going to get to see that movie with us. We're going by ourselves. <laughs> it might be the in-flight movie. You never know. That's that's what she's hoping. So I don't anyway. know. I don't know how current the in-flight movies tend to be. I never really watched one. I have no idea. Pay attention to them. I, you're going to be flying to Hawaii, so you definitely you're definitely going to have time to kill. Oh yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, hey guys, that was. It's been a little while, but that was it. We're back. Hey, we're still in form. Sort of. We're a bit more on brand this time. Hey, to be fair, the the last the last episode was a very good long arc story. It was. It was good. I think it's had like eight listens or something like that. I don't know. That's more than all the other episodes combined, isn't the it? The musical one, I think, was probably the one that had the most. It had like 16. Really? Yeah. I'll be damned. But hey, whatever. I'm cool with it. I, although, if you listen to the audio from the Kevin Smith thing, I plugged the show there. Because I had a captive audience that had to listen to me. Haha. Uh-huh. And he asked me to repeat the name. Nice. And I was like, it's called Hey Hollywood Hire Us. And he laughed and said, that's a great name. He was like, hey, just keep it up. You might get a job. Look, it worked for me. Let's hope so. I need one now. Yeah. <laughs> we all do. <clears throat> just zoom. Again, I'm telling you, man, just let me virtually join your writer's rooms for some of these Netflix shows. I'll make them better. Just hire me as a consultant. Yeah, that's all we want. I'm not trying to, like, take anyone's jobs, but I want to take what you're writing and make it a little better. I can put a spin on it. Yeah. Like, just uh, throw us a little change. Yeah, that's all I want. Not even a whole lot. Not not the buck, buckets and dump trucks of money that Netflix has. Yeah, just give us like 500 bucks. We don't care. <laughs> per consultation. Per consultation. All right. So that's it. So until next time, which we might, if I can manage to coordinate and get at least Scarlett to join us, maybe we can get Trinity to join because I want to do a uh, holiday mix-up. Yes, we've, we've been threatening to do that. And I, the idea... I'm going to put this out there so you guys can either hold me to it or not is taking a look at movies that take place during certain holidays and changing that holiday. Yeah. Switch to holiday. Like for example, what if Halloween happened on mm, 4th of July? (laughs) Tom Cruise. Um, my thought was, and this is what I'll go in probably a bit more depth, but here's a little teaser for you is instead of national lampoons, Christmas vacation, it's national lampoons, Halloween vacation. Oh God. And Clark has to have the best, scariest haunted house decorations in the neighborhood. You know what? I'd fucking watch it. How has that not been made? Already? <laughs> How has that not fucking been done? Fog machine that just takes over the entire neighborhood. Seriously. How has that not been done? 
What are you going to do with that Grim Reaper, Clark? Bend over and I'll show you. Because <laughs> he would be the one to buy an army of those 20-foot skeletons. Oh, dude, he would. I, I could totally see that. It'd be like... <laughs> do you ever watch the show Modern Family? Yeah. There was there there are several Halloween episodes and uh, Phil and um oh what is her name Phil and his uh, wife um well, no uh <sighs> I can I, I can picture her. I know I know who she is I just yeah um well she's played by she's played by the incredible Julie Julie Bowen yeah um she um they every year their haunted house is like crazy is like just crazy over the top and so that makes. It makes me that that's what makes me think of that is yeah. like they would be those Griswolds. They would. They would be the Griswolds. Those Griswolds have to have the scariest yard display in the neighborhood. And it, I think it would probably end with it. Claire, Phil and Claire. I think it would accidentally end with them burning the house down. Yes. Yes, it would. Because that's what would happen. But anyway, so that's that, that's our that's our idea for a future episode. And of course, at some point we'll go over what are the best Christmas movies that are not technically Christmas movies. I think we could do that during the holiday mix-up. We can kind of intro with the list of Christmas movies, and there are two types of people. Those who know that Die Hard is a Christmas movie and those who are wrong. Yeah. Bruce Willis is in the wrong category. He thinks it's not a Christmas movie? He flat out said at the end of his celebrity roast, Well, Die Hard is not a Christmas movie. I'm sorry, Bruce, you're wrong. He's wrong. Gremlins is a Christmas movie. Oh, it's my favorite Christmas movie. Yeah. It's actually listed on Dish Network's holiday movies. They actually have grandmas listed. <laughs> Excellent. So, hey, Dish Network's doing a good thing. And I'm not saying that because they pay me. Uh, all right. So, yeah, until we do our holiday mix-up, guys. Hey, Hollywood. Hire us.